All right, so, um, can you tell me something I really didn't need to know? Hey, Mom, tell me something I didn't need to know. So how about let's learn something we really don't need to know. Hello, everyone. Hello, Mary. Hi. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Woo-hoo. Can you believe it's November already? Oh, my God. Stop it. I know. I don't know where this Stop year has gone. It. I'm a whole year older already than I was the last time that we uh, talked to our listeners. I know. Oof. Getting to be an old lady. Oof. I know. Thank God for hair dye. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Welcome to Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know. We've I... already told you all kinds of things you probably didn't need to know. Probably stuff they don't want to know, but yes, we have... I'm Mary Swartz. I'm Hannah Green. Woohoo! And we are happy to have you here with us today. How's everybody doing today? Great. They're great. I heard it. I know. I heard, heard those that too. voices in my head. They're amazing and awesome and so glad to be with us. You know what I appreciate? What? They laugh at my jokes. Yes, they do. Somebody yeah. has to. Those those voices in my head, they think I'm pretty amazing. Yeah. It's great. Good ego boost. Mine are moving out. They're looking for another place to stay. <laughs> They can't come stay with me. Sorry. Your head is full. I have no space available. Wow. Yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us anyway, guys, to another adventure of Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know. Today we're being boring. We have coffee in our cups. It's a little it's a little chilly today. Yeah. A little bit chilly. It's definitely it's a good a day little... for coffee. I know. I know. So for those of you who are new to the game here. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> we do have another podcast. We'd love to have you hop over and take a listen. It is called Murder, Mischief, and Moscato. Comes out on Wednesday mornings. It does come out on Wednesday mornings. Comes out at 6 in the morning. For it those is, of you early birds. Yep. It is a true crime, paranormal, mischievous. A whole lot of fun. And adult beverages. Always. always, always adult beverages. That's right. You never know if you're going to get murder. You never know if you're going to get mischievous. You never know if you're going to get bizarre. You're always going to get adult beverages. So anyone who's at the table with us gets an adult beverage. And sarcasm. Everybody gets sarcasm. All the time. <laughs> Whether they want it or not. Not us. I don't know what you're talking about. Not me. What All right. Me? So, yeah. So if you enjoy this podcast and you are looking for something else a little different hop over you can find us in all the same places that you have found this one murder mischief and moscato there you go all right so last week we changed things up on you guys a little bit we did we decided that with season two we're gonna do something a little bit different different is good different is always good So, we have added a word of the week in place of our national day. So, Mary and I, each week, we will each bring you a word of the week. Maybe you will know this word. Maybe you won't. They will be weird. They will be silly. They will be different. That's right. We're going to expand our English language knowledge. Those of us who don't... Some of us is very limited. (laughs) One of us at the table doesn't always English well. Very seldom do I English well. All right. So I have a word. Okay. Mary. Yes. What does wabbit mean? Wabbit? Wabbit. There's a wabbit there and a wabbit here. Would you like me to spell that for you? W-A-B-B-I-T. Yes. Wabbit. Wabbit. Elmer Fudd doesn't English well either. 
Maybe Elmer Fudd Englished just fine, and it was us that didn't get it. We still don't. Yes, Mary. Wabbit. I have no idea what wabbit is. So wabbit is actually a Scottish word. Okay. It means exhausted. I'm wabbit. I'm a little wabbit today. Ooh, I like that word. Wabbit. We're gonna wabbit. We are yep. wabbit. Yep. It uh, means that you are you're tired. I'm never too wabbit for you. Aww. You always make me feel so good about myself. That's good. Thank well, you. I'm glad. All right. So use Wabbit this week to describe being tired and see just how many people you can get to do a double take. And if you want to, you can put these two words together. Ooh. Because I, I have fervid. Fervid? F-E-R-V-I-D. Fervid. You could be fervid Wabbit. Does fervid mean extremely? Extremely hot, or it can be characterized by very intense emotion. Oh. So, yes, you could be fervid wabbit if you know you're going through a lot of trauma. Or menopause. Or PMS. (laughs) (laughs) Or you just killed somebody. Or you had too much to drink the night before. Oh, dear God, yes. Fervid. Fervid. Fervid and wabbit. Oh, yeah. All right. Love it. Very cool. Sweet. All right. Woo. Okay, moving Mary. On. Things are moving a little quick. All right. Do you have any tidbits for us, Hannah? I do not have any okay. tidbits for uh, us yeah. because I did have a tidbit, but then my tidbit turned into a full story. I've done that. I have done that. Started uh, out as a tidbit. Now it's a full story. So I will share yeah. it with you when you're done. All right. You take you take medication. Most people take medication. I do. You ever have a problem swallowing it? I don't typically, but Isabel frequently does. Yeah. Because one of her meds, one of her it's epilepsy really meds, large. Um, it dissolves really, really quickly. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's, I frequently see her spit it out in her hand and, and gag a little. <laughs> well, sometimes when you have a problem taking med, it's because of how big it is. I, trust me, and I, no I am aware. How much water. Sometimes it just gets stuck right there. doesn't want to go down. Yep. But this guy did not really have that problem. He sometime, somehow managed to swallow an entire Nokia. Pardon me? Don't try to call him. Can't answer. But it might be amusing to listen to his belly ring. Yes, he swallowed an entire Nokia 3310 phone. Uh, He's going to make some boy a very happy man. I'm very confused. Oh, dear God. You did not just do that. You just did the sex doll imitation. I got it now. I got the joke. Got the joke. She finds herself real amusing. Actually, I'm laughing at your reaction. Doctors in Kosovo had to help the unidentified... Kosovo? Yeah. Oh, dear God. Well, thank God it wasn't an Apple 13. Oh, Jesus. We're just talking a little Nokia at this point in time. Oh, man. Uh, I had to help the unidentified 33-year-old man after the phone actually became lodged in his stomach. Yes, it made it all the way down there. Oh, yeah, your intestines are a whole lot smaller than the rest of it. First of all, never mind, let me finish reading the story. Because I have a lot to say. It was too large for him to digest, and it actually put his life in danger because of the corrosive battery acid. Yep. Stupid comes to mind. The doctor managed to remove the foreign object without cutting into his stomach. He took it out in three pieces with endoscopy. 
The doctor said no complications. The man got very, very lucky. Yes. Stomach acid is so insanely corrosive. According to the local media, the man took himself to the hospital as he was in pain from swallowing the object. Do you fucking think? Can you imagine? No. Hold on, listen. I, I can't. I can't even begin to imagine this scenario. So, first of all, you're working as a triage nurse. A patient walks into your ER. Okay. Can I help you? I need to see a doctor. What seems to be the problem? I have a really bad stomach ache. Okay. Have you, you know, eaten something? Does it feel like food poisoning? Are you vomiting? You know, all the questions that they're going to ask. At what point do you say, I swallowed a phone? I think I wouldn't. I think I'd wait till they took the x-rays and I'd go, I have no idea. How did that get there? That's not mine. <laughs> Wasn't me. Yeah. I didn't do it. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know because first of all, where in God's greeners are you sitting that you go, Ooh, this is a good idea. Ooh, this you know, is a great idea. You know what I'm gonna do today? Cross that off my bucket list. Or so I'm pretty sure the like the Nokia 3310 was it wasn't a flip phone or anything like that. It's you, small. Right. But can you imagine the doctor's like pressing on your stomach and your stomach starts going beep, 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 beep. Or oh, ringing? Or ringing. Yes. No, I really... I would love to have seen the look on the doctor's face had that happened. I, I just, yeah. I've got, I've got so much, but I've got nothing. You know? It, it's wrong on a lot of levels. And also, all I can think at this point is everything about this already screams mental illness. Probably. You're probably very right. Okay, keep going. We're going to go to North Dakota because you like animals. Oh, God. Why do you do this to me? <laughs> You're going to like this one. Because you like squirrels. Mary. What? Okay. Ready? Probably not. Okay. A squirrel in Fargo, North Dakota is really nuts for walnuts. There. <laughs> How nuts? To the point where it collected 42 gallons of it. And stored them in a man's Chevy Avalanche. How do you not notice this before you end up with 42 gallons in your Avalanche? Well, because this man's had practice. Bill Fisher said he came home from a four-day work trip earlier this month and discovered that his truck was filled with black walnuts, each roughly the size of a lime. So this is... this black, wal And black walnuts are. They're large, especially yes. when they're still inside the case. Yes, and they were. And those cases, when they start to break down, that's where the dye is. As his Facebook photos show, the walnuts were tucked into absolutely every nook and cranny of his Chevy, including the engine compartment and the fenders. Fisher removed enough to fill seven six-gallon containers. Oh, my God. Fisher says, I had to pull the fenders off, I had to clean all the walnuts out, and I thought they had them all. And I went down the road, turned the corner, and found one of them rolling down the windshield. He, missed. he actually said he knows he doesn't have them all. Thank God the squirrel didn't manage to get inside the truck. As nutty as this may seem, it's not the first time it's happened. To him? To him. Maybe you want to start parking inside a garage. Maybe he did. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fisher said, Red squirrels have been using his truck to store walnuts from his neighbor's tree every two years because that's how often the tree matures and drops right. walnuts since 2013. Oh, Lord. I've got other vehicles, he said, that sit very close to the tree, but it's always the truck. 
I've even purposely parked out on the street as far as I can get away from the walnut tree and they still find the avalanche and they hide them there. Weird. I know. Over the years, Fisher has learned how to deal with this very squirrely behavior. He knows when the walnuts fall off the tree, it's time to check the engine. He's also learned to wait until there are no walnuts left lying under the tree before commencing his cleanup. So he obviously has more than one vehicle. Well, he said he does. The squirrel sits in the tree and watches me clean up the walnuts. And they are almost, it's almost like they're saying, that's mine, buddy. It's mine for winter. What does he do with them? He wasn't really prepared for how many nuts he got this year because usually he only gets about 20 to 25 gallons. So this year the squirrel set a record. Seems to be one squirrel, 42 gallons. It's a lot of little squirrel running. Fisher actually had to remove the fenders off of his truck this year to get the nuts out. He takes the nuts and he offers them to anyone who wants them, any human who wants them. <laughs> I'm glad you clarified. Yeah. Squirrel's first in mind. Yeah. Me, 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 me. Here come me. The squirrel's catch, he said it, it won't, no matter how often he takes, how many he takes out, he won't find them all. Because he will hear them rolling around inside the frame, the rail, the tire wells, and he simply can't get them. That's insane. He goes through this every other year. Oh my gosh. Yes. You, you love our your little animal stars. I love animals so much. I know. No surgery today. Thank you. I appreciate that because I don't know if I could have handled any more surgery. Yeah. All right. So we're going to go to Virginia now. Okay. Okay, you ready to go to Virginia? Depends on what we're going to find there. Okay. So here's a question for you. How big of an age difference is okay with you when you're dating? Well, you know the rule. No, tell me the rule. The rule is half your age plus eight. Really? Yeah. You broke it. No, no, that's the youngest you should go. Oh, the youngest. Okay. Yeah. So as you get older, does that difference matter as much? At my current age... Which is what, 29 and a half? 29 and a half, yeah. (laughs) So let's just go, we'll round that to 30. Divide that by two, that's 15, plus eight is 23. Not dating a (laughs) 23-year-old. It wouldn't even come close to dating a 23-year-old. God, no. No. um, I honestly figure that um, probably for me personally... Uh, plus or minus five years is probably about my max there. Okay. That I would be, I mean, I'm not saying if I met somebody and they were absolutely fantastic and amazing and there was more than five year difference that I would absolutely rule it out, but I definitely wouldn't go looking for it. Okay. Fair enough. June 5th, 1926. All right. Mary Mooring and Roy Hinton Matthews were married in Newport News, Virginia. Their romance began when the two, and see, this is what you need to do. You need to start going to funerals. Jesus, can, no. You can meet people at funerals. No. <laughs> when the two met at a funeral that was being held in the boarding house where Mrs. Matthews lived. The newlyweds then spent two days honeymooning at a Roanoke hotel before they went home. And a lot of people get married every day, every day of the year. Yep. But very few of them have the news of their marriage published in newspapers across the entire nation. Especially in 1926. So clearly there's very something very, very unusual about this marriage. And it wasn't that the two had known each other very long. Because they really, they only knew each other about two months. Okay. So we've all read stories of people who have known each other for just a couple hours and they get married. And somehow some of them are like, well, we've been married for 74 years. Knew him for 30 minutes and we got married. Anyway. 
So I have to tell you that this is Mary's third marriage. She's born in North Carolina. She married her first husband when she was only 16. Her second husband was a guy named Thomas Mooring, and he passed away just nine months before the third marriage. But again, there's still nothing. I'm glad you didn't say that that was the funeral they were at, because <laughs> I kind of was waiting for that. <laughs> they met at her husband's funeral. I married in two months. But again, there's nothing really unusual about that. A lot of people get married shortly after losing a spouse. Okay. The thing about this couple was they had a little bit of an age difference. Okay. Roy was 20. And Mary was 72. I'm sorry, but if they're young enough to be my child, much less my grandchild, not happening. No. No. I think he could have been her great-grandchild. Um, so 52-year age, age difference, which not a world record, but still unusual if you're asking my opinion. You weren't, but I usually give it to you anyway. The bride seemed very happy with her decision to marry Roy. What did the 20-year-old see in this woman? What's he getting out of it? Good question. I don't really know. Did she have money? Doesn't say that she did. Just, but after three husbands, she might have. I don't know. I'm just really confused. Um, she told the reporters that, that spoke to her that she knew another couple that had a 54-year age gap, and they had been very happily married for a lot of years. She said, I don't think we made a mistake. I've always said, I expect to live to be 100 years old. It'd be like me marrying Pap-Pap. He's dead. <laughs> That's Aki. <laughs> Yeah, kind of, yeah. Ew. Ew. He was a good guy, though. He was. That's not the point. He was a really nice guy. It's not the point. So, Mary expected to live to be 100 years old, and if she did, that would have left her 28 years with her husband. So, I know what you're thinking. Will this marriage last? Did she outlive her husband? You know the overall odds are certainly against these newlyweds. Well, sadly, the marriage failed. There's really no record of exactly what happened, but if you go on Ancestry.com, there is a copy of their divorce decree, and it does give us a hint. Okay. A large one. Okay. Mary was the one who asked for divorce after four years, 11 months, and six days of being married to Roy. Okay. Their wedded bliss ended on May 11th of 1931 because Mary found that Roy was cheating on her. Oh, gee. Surprise. Big fucking Surprise. surprise. Roy went on to remarry in 1933, and he had a daughter. He passed away November 28th of 1956 when he was 50. There was a one-line legal notice in the December 24th, 1945 publication of the Newport News Daily Press regarding the estate of Mary E. Matthews, who passed away at the age of 90. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. All right. That's, that's, wow. All right. Sometimes you just don't even have words. You ready for some more bizarreness? I love bizarreness. That's what we're here for. We're here for total bizarreness. Love it. Okay, good. Hit us with it. Over the course of history, there have been many uncomfortable and even dangerous trends that humans, mostly women, have followed in the name of fashion. Oh, dear God. There's so many places you could go with this shit. I'm sure that most, if not all of us, can think of a few. And many of us have probably participated in at least one or two of them. Usually for the sake of fitting in or popularity. Being beautiful. Being beautiful, yep. For me, it was the skin-tight jeans that were practically painted on. Oh my God, yes. You know, the ones that were so tight that in order to zip them, you, you had to lie down on the bed, suck it in. You know they're tight when you have to get a pair of pliers. Yep. Yep. 
where you're jumping up and down. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yanking to try to pull them up. Yes. And then you can no longer stand once they're on. Or you can no longer sit, I mean, once they're on. And God help you if you have to pee in a hurry. Not gonna well, you might pee in a hurry, but you're not getting your jeans off. And God help you if it rains and you are outside in them. Your legs are gonna be blue. Your legs might be blue anyway. The good times. Why do we do this to ourselves? Seriously. I think that the star I thank the stars above that I quickly outgrew the idea of fitting in and being popular by way of clothing, and I just went with I am who I am. I'm going to be comfortable. And if they like me, great. Don't give a shit. So this story actually came from an article that I came across. Now, here's the story that I came across that has led to this. Recently, very recently, a woman calling herself Sam shared on social media that she had an unfortunate fashion experience. She had a date planned with a guy that she had recently met. It was going to be a day-long date, spend the whole day together. And she decided that she would wear a pair of tight jean shorts on her date because who doesn't want to look good on a date? Well, tight anything on the bottom half can uh, cause us all to have a wedgie. I wish you could see Mary's face right now. You're making me hurt. It's like talking about hitting some guy in the balls. You know how their face scrunch up when they're not the one? Yeah, that's my face. Well, wedgies are never really fun for anyone. I'm crossing my legs right now. (laughs) But in Sam's case, she had a wedgie pretty much a full eight hours. Can you even imagine? Nope. I'm too old for that shit. How on earth did she enjoy herself on a date like that? Or some... Maybe she didn't. I guess we don't really know. Well, the next day, Sam woke up and she realized that her butt was really sore. Okay. And... Days passed, and she actually began to feel worse. She began to feel actually ill. So after some days had passed, she decided that she was actually sick, and she should go see a doctor. Okay, yeah. She went to the doctor, and she was given an antibiotic for a possible skin infection on her butt. And she was sent on her way. Okay. But the next day, she was so sick and in so much pain, she couldn't even walk. And Sam went to the emergency room, the local hospital. She didn't lose her phone, did she? No. And at the hospital, it was discovered just exactly how sick Sam actually was. She was admitted to the intensive care unit. Wow. That is, um, that's sick. She was diagnosed with a bacterial infection called cellulitis, which had actually led to sepsis, and she was now in septic shock. God. Septic shock is life-threatening. Sam was in the ICU for a full week. At one point, she was told that the infected portion of her butt may need to be amputated. I've never heard of a butt amputation before. Thank you, please. Yes. If you have a really severe infection. (laughs) If you have a really severe infection of any piece of tissue that they can't get under control. It's going to die. Then it can spread, right? Yep. Their option is. We're just going to amputate. To remove the flesh. You think they'll do that for me? No, Mary. Right now? No. No. Let's not do this. <laughs> okay. Well, after days of dozens of strange people looking at her butt, her butt was saved. Completely intact. 
After being released, Sam shared her experience online, explaining that she had worn boy shorts. Because people tell everything online. I know. I know. You go on Facebook and, and people tell you everything. I cleaned the bathroom today. Oh, big deal. I do that too, but you don't need to know about it. Right? Uh, look at my infection. No, I don't really want to see that. Thank you. So. <clears throat> okay. So she shared it on her She shared media. it online. She okay. explained that she had worn boy shorts, which is a style of underwear. Underneath the jean shorts and that they had kept bunching up. She also shared that she had continually pulled the wedgie out of her butt crack while on her date, but apparently the damage was done anyway. The wedgie had caused her to chafe down there, and the raw skin had allowed bacteria to enter her system, which caused the cellulitis and eventually that's the septic shock. That is, that's fast. Well, except for, remember, it happened, like, I mean, it, eight hours rubbing, yeah. rubbing. There's a lot of bacteria down that's in true. that area. The good news to all of this, beyond the lack of the butt amputation, is that she... I'm so grateful she didn't get her booty, her booty amputated. Do you think, you know when you have to have your, like, as a woman, you have to have your breasts removed, and they give you implants, you can have implants, do you think she could have gotten a butt implant to... Oh, you know there's butt implants out there. I know, but I'm saying, do you think the insurance would have covered that to fix the... Probably. So beyond the lack of the butt amputation, the good news is... She's still seeing the guy from the fateful date. They are planning on getting married, and they intend to share this story at their wedding. Now, that little article, that led... I saw that headline. I saw that headline, but I didn't read anything. I did not read it. That that little article now leads us you to You went this. to a rabbit hole, didn't you? I fell down the rabbit hole. You stuck your head right in the rabbit hole and fell in. Oh, like Alice in Wonderland, Hell baby. yes, I love it. Sam isn't the only woman to put her life in danger in the name of looking good. In 1903, a woman named Mary Halliday died unexpectedly. An autopsy revealed that Mary had died from two pieces of a steel corset that had broken off, punctured her skin, and ended up in her heart. (gasps) Where's a steel corset? Well, that's horrid. It's a lot of things that people did. Jesus, how do you not know? A lot of women suffered physically. Yeah. From tightly laced corsets. Yeah. In the name of that ever sought out hourglass figure. And I honestly never considered that they'd be made out of steel. I Um, always thought that they were like material, cloth material types. Nope. They've been made out of a lot of things. Whalebone was a really common one. um, Like all kinds of things. So from bruises, broken ribs, and passing out to deaths like Mary's, the damage from corsets was widespread and common, but still women persisted in wearing those garments of torture. Women weren't the only ones to make bad choices in the name of fashion, although they are definitely the more common of the two sexes to do so. In the 19th century, it was considered fashionable for men to wear high and tight collars. This fashion trend came to be known as the father killer. These High collars? High and tight. Okay. These tightly fitted collars were so high and so tight that they could cut off the blood to the brain. Almost like an erection. (laughs) Like your head has the erection there? These collars were much more deadly in men who were prone to drinking to excess because while passed out, they would die from asphyxia. (gasps) Oh my god. The lesson is don't don't drink and be fashionable. I never do. Never. Those two just don't mix. (laughs) All right. I'm sure that most of us have heard of foot binding. Yes, that's a horrible, horrible practice. 
common in the 18th and 19th century in a lot of Asian countries. Yes. And unfortunately, some still do it today. Yes. Tiny feet were considered a sign of great beauty, and they were highly desired. But they were so disfigured. They were not typically naturally occurring, though. Oh, God, no. Now, in my, big ha- feet. in my head, I always thought that they just continually bound the feet tightly to shift the bones and stunt the growth. I was so wrong. I'm going to start this right here and say, if you have a weak stomach, you're going to want to fast forward about 30 seconds. Right now. <laughs> Foot binding involves soaking the feet in some form of acid, usually vinegar or urine. Ugh. After soaking the foot for a long time, available, but ugh. after soaking the foot for a long time, the toes minus the big toe would be folded down and under, and the arch would be bent backwards. So now your foot is like, you yeah. know, the bones of the foot would break. Frequently, infections and gangrene would occur, and they were quite often fatal. Oh, my God. Despite this, women actually hoped for the infections and the gangrene because... They could have a foot cut off, and they would just have little teeny tiny stubs? Because the toes would naturally fall off on their own from the gangrene and the infection. Oh, God, that's... Which made the foot tinier. So bad. And it made her more beautiful and desirable. Because apparently... Mutilated, scarred body parts are somehow gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, no, they're not. All in the name of vanity. No. But, you know, honestly, though, I have to feel like, for some reason, men made them feel beautiful for that. It's it's horrible. Literally stomach turning. It's horrible. All right, moving on. Thank God. Hoop skirts. Yeah, I wore one. Think Gone with the Wind. I wore one once. Well, you got lucky. Dresses still here? Yes. Dresses with hoops under the skirts that make walking through doors or sitting or pretty much anything other than standing eh, quite difficult. I have no idea why on earth this was ever a thing. How completely impractical. How do you even pee? No need for a toilet because you can't get close to it anyway. So just drop your drawers and go for it because no one's going to see it anyway. No. Um, in 1858, it was estimated that this particular fashion trend was responsible for as many as three deaths each and every week. Every week? The cause of the death? The skirts would inadvertently brush the fireplace or other open <gasps> flames and they would catch on fire. They were not easy to get on and they were even harder to get off. The fabric used in the dresses at the time was extremely flammable, and the hoops were frequently made from a wooden frame. Oh, my God. Which meant that the women wearing them... They were hot as hell. ...would burn to death. That's terrible. Such a bad combination in so many ways. Yeah, but, you know, people didn't know. They didn't know. It used to be believed that excessive sex would cause your eyelashes to fall out. Really? Yeah. With no absolute explanation as to why they believed this. You know what? I'm not even going to touch that one. I'm not touching that one. Reputations were what a woman had, so proving that they were chaste was of the utmost importance. You know, their reputation was everything. Right. So because of this ridiculous belief, women were desperate to have thick, luscious lashes. And mascara wasn't really an option because it was obvious that it was not your lashes. Many women of means were so eager to prove that they were good girls that they were willing to allow someone to sew 
No. Fake eyelashes no. on other eyelids. I remember when we glued fake eyelashes on <laughs> Let's not ever go there again. <laughs> that was fun. I'm not sewing them on, though. Yeah, sew with no. a needle. No. Fuck. Uh, Can you see all the ways that this could go wrong, Mary? <sighs> the resulting infections were known to cause blindness and death. <gasps> but in their eyes, at least they would die with their reputation intact. Okay. Pale complexions. Okay. Were actually the height of beauty until Coco Chanel came back with a tan from a trip to the Euro- to Europe in the 1920s. All right. In fact, tans prior to that were thought to be a sign of a low socioeconomic class. To achieve that pale complexion, humans were willing to do a lot of things. Some of them wore large hats. They used parasols. They avoided going right. out in the sun. Those are smart. Everything in between. Those are smart. Sadly, one of the early common ways to achieve this pale complexion, and this was guys, not just women, was through the use of lead-based face paint. I think I've heard this one. Now, we know that lead is toxic, but they didn't know that no, back then. No, they didn't know that. So in order to be fashionable, these people were willing to Putting suffer. their face. Hair loss, stomach pain, rotten teeth, severe headaches, and death. Yeah. Izzy and I saw this one. In a museum we visited in Arizona a couple of years ago. Okay. Prior to that, I had never actually heard of this particular fashion death sentence. Okay. But I have seen it in at least one other museum since then. Bright green dresses. They were known as Paris green. We, you and I, also saw this last year in one of the museums yep. we went to. Yep. Um, in Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah, the Civil War I, Museum or something. Nope, I, the, I no, I thought it was the Knox, the it, the one across from the baseball bat. Yes, yeah, yeah, in Knox, the one in Louisville, Louisville, the, yeah, Louisville, Louisville. Yep. yep. Um, so these dresses, they were known as Paris green, and they were highly sought. They were a sign of social standing and wealth because they were very expensive and they were difficult to get. That meant that they were worn by the social elite. Doctors began to notice that the high society women were suddenly suffering from a much higher rate of death and at a much younger age. Eventually, it was discovered that the green dresses were the cause. Why the green dresses? Whatever they were using for the green dye. The green color of the fabric was being created with arsenic. Can you imagine being the seamstress that put those dresses together? The arsenic was leaching out of the fabric into the skin of the women wearing the dresses. Diarrhea, skin lesions, headaches, loss of mobility, stomach issues, cancer, and eventually death were not enough, however, to deter the rich from wearing these deadly dresses in the name of vanity. They knew, and they continued to do it anyway. So yes, the people who, the women who died them, this is one I didn't put on my list, but I'll talk about it because I am aware of this one as well. This is, this was not... Um, necessarily the fashion sense, um, the like the wearer that, that suffered. But do you know the origin of the Mad Hatter? No. In the olden days, way back, the Hatter, which is the person who made hats, yep. hats were created using mercury. Wow. And the Hatter would absorb the mercury through their skin, and it would actually cause them to become insane crazy and have mental deficiencies and that is where the term mad hatter comes from wow that's crazy that's insane or mad as a hatter yeah that's that's where it came from 
modern fashion trends, while less deadly, are still not always good for us. Tight jeans can lead to circulation issues, infections like SAMs, breathing difficulties, and an increase in acid reflux, which can actually cause scarring of the esophagus over time. Modern high heels can lead to ankle sprains, broken bones, stress fractures, tendon damage, hammer toe, blisters, which can become infected, bunions, and deformation of the foot. Tanning, whether it is in natural sunlight or in a tanning bed, I hope that most people are aware now, can lead to a whole slew of issues, including premature aging, wrinkles, and as all of us should be aware, an entire array of skin cancer, which can quickly metastasize to other parts of your body and kill you. That includes your brain. This is one I wouldn't have thought about. Gel manicures. Gel manicures are set with a UV light. Yeah. It's not any different than shoving your hands into a concentrated sunlight. Oh. You get premature skin aging and skin cancer. Yeah. So nothing fashionable is worth deforming our body over. It's not worth dying over. Nope. So the bottom line here is be comfortable. Don't follow a trend just because the latest 15 minutes of fame face says it will make you beautiful, desirable, and popular. Because you are perfect just the way you are. Wow. That was my rabbit hole. Wow. You just got a social message and a story. All in one. Nice job. Because I fell down a rabbit hole. Hell yeah, you did. There is a whole lot more deadly oh, fashion I'm trends. Sure there I are. just kind of picked and chose some of the ones yeah, that were. Yeah, because you can't cover everything. Oh my gosh! No. no, I could, I could probably do an entire season's worth of shit on the stupid fashion trends that have killed people. All right, we're calling this one urban hospitality. Ooh, we're gonna talk about Detroit. Service in this establishment sucks. That was last week. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Detroit. The largest, the most populated city in Michigan. It is. Founded on July 24th of 1701 by French colonists. Like most everything in Michigan. Indians? Yes. Okay. Native Americans. You can call them Indian. I mean, to me, it's... I know, but... It's not not a disrespect thing. It isn't, but for clarity purposes, because we have listeners around the world, Native Americans and the French tended to be... Who they were the, here first. Exactly. The ones that that colonized and named pretty much everything in Michigan. All right. So Detroit is an important industrial hub at the center of the Great Lakes region. Yes. It was originally founded as a New France fur trading post. Oh. Fort Detroit was surrendered to the British on November 29th of 1760. Okay. After 1778. A flood of settlers continued west, and Detroit established itself as a gateway to the west and to the Great Lake. Okay. So everybody was going through Detroit. After a devastating fire in 1805, Augustus B. Woodward devised a street plan that allowed for avenues and traffic circles to fan out in a radial fashion from Campus Marshes Park in the heart of the city. I was going to say Woodward Avenue is still a huge, well-known street there. It is. Um... This was intended to ease traffic patterns, and there were trees planted along the boulevards and the parks. Oh, I wish I'd seen Detroit back then because it is a hot mess now. Oh, it's a very hot mess. I'm not even going to go into the hot mess it is now. In 1903, Henry Ford founded the Ford Motor Company. After that came William Durant, the Dodge Brothers, Packard, 
Walter Chrysler, and Ransom Olds. Oh, Oldsmobile. Mm-hmm. Due to the booming auto industry, Detroit became the fourth largest city in the nation in 1920, following New York, Chicago, and Philadelphia. Detroit is still known as the Motor City. Yes, it is. Also, thanks to Henry Ford, Detroit had the first moving assembly line in 1913. Anyone who is from Michigan should be well aware of that fact. Yep. So, speaking of Woodward Avenue, in 1909, Detroit's Woodward Avenue saw the miles first mile of concrete road in the country that was oh, wow. paved. And the, the city pioneered again in 1944 by constructing Davison Freeway, which was the country's first urban depressed freeway. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. A lot of firsts. Yeah. Uh, Detroit Station AMK, 8MK, which was later renamed WWJ, was a pioneer in radio broadcasting the first ever radio news program on August 31st, Lynn's birthday of 1920. She was not born then. That was exactly 50 years before she was born. Yep. The world's first modern traffic light was actually the invention of a Detroit police officer and installed at the intersection of Michigan and Woodward Avenue in October of 1920. It was not only the first four-way signal, but also the first traffic light to use the three-color system that we know and we love now. We are very familiar. During the Prohibition era, era, Detroit was known for its contribution to illegal alcohol transportation, (laughs) a.k.a. liquor smuggling. Uh, gee, across think? the Canadian border. Detroit residents would smuggle Canadian liquor across the border using the Detroit River. Think Dukes of Hazards with a General Lee speedboat instead of an orange 1969 Dodge Charger. That's funny. <laughs> That's awesome. The residents of Detroit consume seven pounds of potato chips each year. Okay. If you put that into perspective by comparing it to the average four pounds of potato chips the rest of the United States consumes. Oh my God. And I'll let you finish that sentence in your own head. Oof. Better Made Potato Chips was founded in 1930 in Detroit and is still headquartered there today. Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head love Detroit. And in June of 1963, Reverend Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. gave a major speech as part of a civil rights march in Detroit, which actually foreshadowed his I Have a Dream speech. All right. In November of 73... The city elected Coleman Young as its first black mayor. That was kind of an important thing. Yeah. Detroit's diverse culture has had both local and international influence, particularly in music with Motown, hip-hop, rock, and punk arising from its depths. Oh my gosh, so much history. Bob Seger, The White Stripes, Kid Rock, all big names in the music industry come from Detroit. Yeah, I didn't know who the White Stripes were, did you? I do. Do you? I do. I I used to listen to them in high school. So I had to Google it. Oh my gosh. From 1997 to 2011, so they were actually around for a while. Yep. Jack White and his ex-wife, Meg White, rose to prominence as part of the garage rock revival scene. Yeah. Didn't know them. Detroit has a professional sports team for all four of the professional sports leagues in the United States. Tigers. Lions. Yep. Red Wings. Yep. Pistons. Yep. Very good. I had to think about which one I was missing. Very good. Yeah. So, basically all of this says is that Detroit has a lot of amazing history. It is steeped in richness and diversity. And we know that our country today wouldn't be the same without all the contributions from Detroit, right? Oh, my gosh. So, that's all yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. 
I love the yada yada, blah, blah, blah. Let's talk about the keys to the city. Okay. The keys to the city is actually a very medieval tradition. Um, it is meant to, con- to confer trust and honor. It basically says, if I give you the keys to the city, you are my most trusted. It grows from the medieval walled city whose gates were guarded during the day and locked up at night. The key symbolizes the freedom of the recipient to enter and leave the city at will because they are a trusted friend of the residents of the city. Okay. The actual key to the city would function to open city gates. That's back in the medieval times. In modern times, if you receive a key to the city, it's actually an ornamental, non-functional key. Well, that's some bullshit. I know. I wanted to open something interesting. I know. It is presented to esteemed visitors, residents, or any others the city wishes to honor. All right. Um, They also call this award the freedom of the city, which means it's basically you have access to everything. It is the ultimate act of esteem. It is one of the highest honors given to anyone. I'm not sure if I believe that. Sometimes the key to the city is a symbolic honor, a fun honor, or a meaningful honor. Meaningful honor. They're often given to athletes, politicians, and celebrities. Some every year, every single year, Santa is presented with the key to the city at the end of America's Thanksgiving parade in Detroit. Every single year? Every single year, Santa gets the key to the city. What if it changes the locks? How's he going to get in? Jesus, how many? Oh, my God. I think he's a little spoiled. No shit. He is spoiled. Santa needs to learn to keep track of his key. No fucking doubt. In 1974, Stevie Wonder received a key to the city from Detroit Mayor Coleman Young. I am not even touching that one. In 1980, this actually the story was from a listener. Okay. This is a listener suggestion. All right. right. In 1980, Saddam Hussein got the key to the city. Are you fucking kidding me? Okay, listen, we can just stop now. (laughs) Mayor Coleman Young gave it to Saddam Hussein. Again, I said, for donations he made to a local church. In 1980, when Saddam was actually on good terms with the United States, he gave money to fund the Sacred Heart Chaldean Church in Detroit. He gave them a total of $450,000. It's not really all that much. You're talking 1980. Okay. You're talking one specific church. I have to question why. He gave him two gifts. He gave him a gift of $250,000, and then two years later, he gave him another $200,000. I have to question what the hell was going on with this one church that he gave it's very that. odd. Yes. And he got a fucking key to the city. Well, thank God they changed the locks a lot. Yeah. In 2006. And see, I couldn't find it for every year. So apparently they don't give them out every year. Okay. Except for unless you're Santa. Unless Santa you're gets, Santa. Santa, Santa, Santa gets, gets every one year. every year. Because he's at the parade. If you were at the parade, maybe he'd get one every year. In 2006, Jerome Bettis. Hell fucking Hell yes. yes. He is a Detroit native. Pittsburgh Steelers legend. Yes! He was given the city key by former mayor, Quam Kilpatrick. Kwame. Kwame? Kwame. Yeah, Kwame. You know English and I don't work well. I don't. Kwame Kilpatrick. He received that key days before they won the Super Bowl in 2006. The Super Bowl was played in Detroit against the Seattle Seahawks. He actually attended McKenzie High School in Detroit. In 2007, Steve Eiserman. Again, hell yes. Known as the captain. Yes, and you know what? Thank you very much. Stevie is home. Time to start kicking some ass again. Get that shit together. Steve Eiserman rightfully received the key to the city after he retired from the Detroit Red Wings and after his jersey was retired by the team. 
And now he's back, baby. He was the longest serving captain for any team in history. He served for 19 years and he helped lead the Red Wings to three Stanley Cup wins. Do you think when he came back that they, the team all gathered on the ice and said, Captain, my captain? Probably. I would have. I love the fact that they said he helped yes. them. He helped lead them, but yes. not that he led them. I, I love that yes. part. Oh, no, he is a class act all the way. I'm so thrilled he is back in Detroit where he belongs. In 2010, the key to the city went to... Please don't say it. If you fucking say it, I swear to God, I'm going to stab my eye out with this purple pen right here, (laughs) right now. Don't say it. Elmo. Oh, God, thank you. That is not what I thought you were going to (laughs) say. What do you think I was going to say? I won't. uh, No, no, no. I'll tell you later. All right. Elmo was given the key to the city during a a visit at Children's Hospital of Michigan, which is cute. I love that. But Elmo's a fucking Muppet. Shh. He is. Elmo's a fucking Muppet. No, he's not. He is not a Muppet. He is a puppet. He's part of the Muppets. Yeah, he's on the... Yes. Yes, he is. Yes. Is he part of the Muppets? Yes. No, I don't know. Hang on. I'm going to have to Google that. Also, if Elmo gets Detroit's key, why doesn't he get a key to every city that he visited the city... Because it's up to every single... Just just a question to ponder. Oh, he is technically a Muppet. He is a Muppet. He is a Muppet. He's a Muppet puppet. Yes. Muppet puppet. I like it. Muppet puppet. Okay. All right. In 2017, Big Sean received the key. Who the fuck is Big Sean? I don't know. He's in the music industry. Oh, okay. I think he does stuff we don't listen to. Probably. I didn't research that. Okay. He set up a foundation called Mogul Prep that teaches kids... All the behind-the-scenes jobs that are available in the music industry. Good. I believe it's important for for kids to know that there's more options out there than what just being the star in the middle of the stage. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have a friend that I went to high school with. I was in drama with. He does lighting for like does um, lighting designs for all these humongous, massive like Weezer and stuff. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And he's very good at it. He's very talented. Rob, on the t- half-ass chance that you actually ever hear this, just want you to know that I'm very proud of you. High five, Rob. I don't know your last name. Don't know who you are, but high five you. Gibson. You go. You go, dude. Rob Gibson. Rob Gibson. You go, dude. If anybody knows him, tell him we said high five. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. In 2018, the key to the city was given to the Jackson Five. Michael, Tito, Jackie, Jermaine, and Marlon. In what year? 2018. He's dead. Michael was dead. They gave him a goddamn key. Okay. I can't help it that they gave it to dead people. They gave it to a Muppet. They gave it to Santa. In 2020, members of the Detroit Youth Choir received keys to the city. Oh, look, there's Rob Gibson. Yep. Um, Other people who have received keys to the city, which I couldn't find the years, were Aretha Franklin and Barry Gordy. I, I'm amazed that I couldn't find what years they got the keys to the city. Anybody you can think of that deserves a key, Hannah? I think Robin Williams should have had a key to the city. God, yeah. That would have been awesome. There are so many, though. There are. Yeah. I think it just depends on who's mayor and what they, how they feel and what they think. Because I think it's the mayor that gets to choose. Yeah. Should be a committee, but it's the mayor. Anyway, keys to the city. Very cool. Yeah. Detroit's an amazing. When you start researching Detroit, uh, Detroit has been an amazing, amazing, huge pillar of our history and it's kind of a shame where they are today compared to where they started. Do you know who that is? 
Yes. That's pretty cool. Yes. So. Yeah. Anyway, we love our Detroit. We just want to see you do better. So, anyway, to wrap this up, appreciate everybody who spent their day with us, spent part of their day with us. We love it. We appreciate it. We couldn't do this without you. We hope that you learned something new, smiled, laughed, shook your head, oh rolled your God. eyes. We always do. Absolutely. You can find us on Facebook and tell me something I didn't need to know. Or at Gmail at TMSIDNTK and Twitter at TMSIDNTK. If you have suggestions, ideas, comments, you have pictures you'd like to share with us, stories you'd like to share with us, ideas for stories that you'd like to hear us cover. Yep. Hit us up. You can leave us a voice message on Anchor now. You can message us on any of our any of our platforms. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, literally. You can literally. Facebook message us. You can Gmail us. You can hit us up on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. Just hit us up and uh, and keep those ideas coming. We I know. We do love to a hear from you guys. A lot of our stuff comes from listeners, and I think that's just totally amazing. Yes. So. If you have enjoyed your time with us, one of the most important ways that you can support us will cost you absolutely nothing and will literally take you three minutes tops. Go to whatever platform you're listening to us on, leave us a rating and a review. Yep. It helps us know how we're doing. Yep. And it helps other people find us, which is what keeps us going. That's right. You can find us everywhere. In fact, we're now on Amazon Music. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. One of the really cool things, if you aren't already aware of this, the fact that we are on iHeartRadio and on Amazon Music means you can play us through your Alexa. I know, but uh, like your Google Mini, you can do that too. Yeah. Because we're on Google too. Yeah, exactly. Which is so cool. I should do that. I should try that yeah, with my Google Mini. It's a very, very cool thing that you can do that way. I love my Google Mini. So thanks for giving us some of your time, guys. Yeah. We appreciate it. We hope that you have an amazing Sunday. Yes, right. And as always, be mischievous. Bye, guys. Bye. And now the royal team singing their big record, Short Short. <laughs> Dig that crazy chick. Who is short?